Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. The Lord gave me a word. He said, um, preach on a tree, a mountain and a house. And I said, what? <laughs> Very strange. Has, has anyone ever had a strange word from the Lord where he gives you something, a picture or a word and you're not really sure what it's all about? He gave me that. And I said, what on earth, Lord, are you talking about? Anyway, I prayed about it. I studied. I read the Bible. And I'm going to just read you a, a passage from Genesis chapter 12. This is about Abraham. Abraham was born into a family that were not believers in God. His father, Terah, the Bible tells us, worshipped idols. And he lived in a place called Ur, which was not the promised land. It was far away from everything that God was doing. And yet God spoke to Abraham. And Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, had said, in other words, previously, there was a time delay between when God first spoke to Abraham and when he obeyed. But um, I'll get onto that a little bit later. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Go to a land that I will show you. Imagine being told by God, go, but he doesn't say where you're going. He says, I will tell you once you've gone, I'll show you where it is. I'll only give you the first step of the plan. You just need to start being obedient and moving, and then I'll show you where you're going. And leave your family and your father's family and your house. Quite a difficult thing. But then listen to what God said, the blessing that he promised to him. Verse 2, it says, I will make you a great nation. And Abram was about 65 at this time, maybe, and his wife was 55, and they had no children, and they were just average people in a, in a big city, uh, but God says, I'm going to make you, I've chosen you out of all the people on the earth, I've chosen you, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. When God blesses us, it's never just for us. Amen. <laughs> the reason is always so that it passes through us. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. So God says, now says to Abraham, I'm going to be your protector. If anyone blesses you, I'll bless them. And if anyone curses you, I'll curse them. I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. What an incredible promise. Can you imagine little Abraham and his wife Sarah, Sarai at that time, hearing this? Verse 4, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Lot was a relative of his. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now Ur is where he used to live. He moved to Haran, which was halfway to the promised land. And then he stayed there for quite a long time until his father died. And only then, when he was 75, did he move on from there. But now, this is the bit that I, I'm wanting us to, to look at, the next few verses. Abraham took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they'd gathered, all the people whom they'd acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 6 should be on your screen. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants, bear in mind he has no children at this stage, but he says, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called 
on the name of the Lord. So the big picture of the story today, and which I'm going to be unfolding in the next few weeks, is that Abraham was told to go to a place where God would bless him. God's blessings fall on us in the place that he's told us to go to. And I'm going to be speaking about that quite a bit today, is that we've got to be obedient and go to the place that God wants us to be in order to enjoy the blessings that God wants to give us. But I just want to tell you about this place where Abraham landed because there's a, a tree, a mountain, and a house involved. And we're going to be looking at this over the next few weeks. Let me just read you what a man called Dr. Robinson says. He's a historian and a biblical scholar. And he went to this place called Shechem. So Abraham comes into the promised land and he settles at a place called Shechem and at the great terebinth tree, which... Terebinth is, in other translations of the Bible, is translated oak tree or great tree. There was a massive tree called the tree of More there. And Dr. Robinson says that this is a valley. Shechem is a valley with Mount Ebal on the one side and Mount Gerizim on the other side. These are two big mountains. As you're coming into the promised land, Ebal and Gerizim. I don't know if you remember this, but when many, many years later, when the Israelites came back into the promised land under Joshua... God said to Joshua, put some people on Mount Ebal and some people on Mount Gerizim and you declare the promises, the blessings and the curses and you say to the people, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, choose this day, life or death, blessing or cursing, choose life. These two big mountains were there, Ebal and Gerizim and Abraham, when he came into the promised land, settled in a valley between these two big mountains next to a big tree called the tree of Moreh. And listen to what Dr. Robinson says about this place. He says, here is a scene of luxuriant and almost unparalleled verdure. The whole valley was filled with gardens of vegetables and orchards of all kinds of fruit, watered by several fountains which burst forth in various parts and flow westward in refreshing streams. It came upon us suddenly like a scene of enchantment. We saw nothing to compare with it in the whole of Palestine. So Abraham has left Ur. He's been a bit slow in obeying the Lord. God told him when he was quite a few years younger, leave your father, leave your household, leave your country, go to the promised land, the place that I will show you. He goes halfway to Haran and he takes his father and his family with him, even though he was supposed to leave them. And then he stays in Haran for about six years, even though he knows he's supposed to be going to Canaan. He hangs around in Haran and it's quite a nice place. But it's not the place that God had for him. And eventually he obeys. Eventually he says, right, I'm going to do what God has told me to do. I'm going to go to this land. And the place that God was leading him to was this place called Shechem, where there's mountains. And you know, whenever there's a mountain, there's a stream because water runs down from the top of mountains. So there's mountains, there's streams, there's this beautiful verdant valley, and there's this massive tree called the Tree of Moreh. And what I want to do over the next few weeks is talk about how whenever God leads you somewhere, it's always somewhere where there's a tree and where there's a mountain and you build a house there. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about what does the tree represent? What does a mountain represent? And how do we build a house there? But today I'm just laying the, ground, the groundwork for this. I just want to say that it's not always one place. Have you ever um, thought?
thought, if the Lord would just tell me where in the world I'm supposed to be. Have you ever had that thought? Oh God, please just tell me, where am I supposed to live? Is it St. Brelods or, or, or St. John's? Where am I supposed to live, Lord? Or is it Jersey or is it China? What, where, where is it? And I want to say to you that often it's not so much where, but it's a matter of our heart and it's this issue of a tree and a mountain. And I'm just going to give you a preview of the future weeks. A tree represents something that gives us shelter and that is planted and rooted deep. And the Bible talks about that a lot. The Bible talks about blessed is the man who does not walk or, or st sit or stand in the place of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. There's a, an, a thing about being planted which gives shelter and protection in a, in a certain place. And it's not necessarily a geographical place because God moved Abraham on from Shechem to Bethel. And God often moves us on. Um, I'm reminded of the story in Acts chapter 18 where Paul arrives in Corinth, the city of Corinth, and God gives him a dream and says, do not worry. Let me just read you this, read you this dream. Acts chapter 18. Now the Lord, verse 9, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in the city. So God gives uh, Paul a dream and says, This city, I've got plans for this city. I'm protecting you in this city. I've got many people in this city. And the very next verse, verse 10 says, Sorry, verse 11. So Paul continued there a year and six months. And then he moved on. It's not always stay in one geographical place. Sometimes it's moving, but the tree and the mountain never change. Where there's a tree of shelter and rootedness in the, in the Lord and in his things. And where there's a mountain. You know what a mountain represents? Again, I'm going to expand this more later. But a mountain represents something bigger than me. You know, it's very easy for us in our Christian walk to get to a place where our Christianity revolves around me and I'm just very comfortable. I know the people I fellowship with. I know what the Lord is doing in my life. And it's a very small little world that the Lord has given me. It's, very, it's just me and my few and I'm comfortable. I'm in a comfort zone. But God says, no, lift up your eyes. Remember Jesus said, lift up your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest. A mountain represents something bigger than me. Usually something that I have to climb and there's blessing at the top of it. And again, the Bible is full of stories about mountains. But you've got to have something in your life that is a challenge that is bigger than you, that is given from God, that is going to require exercise and effort. And is going, you're going to get to the top and find the will of the Lord there. If you've got a tree and you've got a mountain in your life, you will be blessed. But I just want to talk briefly now about obedience. Abraham's obedience. Let me just, sorry, carry on a bit about how Abraham moved on. So he stopped in verse 6 at Shechem, as far as the great tree of Moreh, and there was mountains, Ebal and Gerizim on either side. There was verdure and beautiful uh, vegetation. But then it says in verse 7, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared, from, appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. He moved 
on again to another place where there was a great tree and there was a mountain. You say to me, how do you know, Greg, there was a, a great tree there? We've already read there was a mountain, but listen to Genesis 35. So we know he's moved to Bethel, just, just below Bethel, between Bethel and Ai. And in another part of the Bible, Genesis 35 verse 8, it's talking about somebody else, but it says, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the great tree. So the name of it was called Alon Bachuth, which means the great tree of mourning. So we know that the next place that Abraham moved also had a big mountain and a big tree. And I just want to say that there's lots of places in the Bible where there's a big mountain and a big tree. Let me just go through them very quickly for you. Eden. You know when Adam and Eve were placed in Eden? Did you know? Well, we know there was a tree there. We know there was a tree of life and a tree of good and evil and many other trees. But did you know that Eden was on a mountain? How do you know that, Greg? Why do you say Eden was on a mountain? Because it says four rivers flowed from Eden. Rivers flow from the top of mountains. That's where rivers come from. Eden was a beautiful place with a lovely tree on top of a mountain. What about heaven? Heaven, the new Jerusalem. It says in Hebrews 12, 22, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Heaven is a mountain. In Revelation, John says, God took me to a great and high mountain and showed me the city of God. And we know that the tree of life is there. So heaven is a mountain with a tree. What about Noah? When he's been on the, on the waters for all that time, almost a year, floating around, waiting for the waters to go down, he lands on a mountain... Mount Ararat, and then he doesn't leave the boat until he sends out a dove, and the dove comes back with what in its beak? An olive branch, showing there was an olive tree had grown. When there's a mountain and a tree, then we can settle. You say, Greg, you're making a bit more of this than there is. Let me just show you in the Bible. What about Moriah? God says to Abraham, sacrifice your son, your only son Isaac. Go to the mountain that I will show you. And he goes there, and there's Moriah, and he goes to the place, and he's ready to sacrifice his son. And God says, don't. And then God provides. Abraham gives him the name Jehovah Jireh, my provider, because there was a, a sacrifice, a ram caught in a thicket in a small tree on a mountain. Moses in the burning bush. He's climbing up a mountain and there's a small bush, a tree on fire and God speaks to him. Jesus. We know that many times he prayed on top of mountains, but you know he died for us. He was hung on a tree on a mountain, Mount of Calvary. And then when he left earth and he's coming back to the place called the mountain of olive trees. That's the place where he left and where he's coming back to. There is something in the Bible about God saying, if you will get these things right in your life. You know, many people say, I just need the Lord's guidance. Who do I marry? What job do I do? How do I spend my money? How do I deal with my family issues? All these things. The message that I'm trying to give you over the next couple of weeks is if you'll get the big pieces of the puzzle in place. You know, when you're doing a, a jigsaw puzzle, if you can get a few key pieces in place, usually it's the corners and then the sides and a few key ones, then the rest of the puzzle fits in much easier. Friends, I'm telling you from my heart, from what the Lord has shown me, that if you'll get these couple of important things in place, if you'll get a mountain in your life, a mission from God that's bigger than you, that you say, that is what God wants for me for my life. And you'll get a tree, a place where you're rooted and which gives you shelter and protection. A whole lot of other things in your life will fall into place. Is that okay?
So that's the next couple of weeks. But I just want to talk about obedience now. So Abraham was slow in obeying the Lord. He was maybe 60, 65. We're not sure exactly when God first said to him, leave Ur. He moved halfway to Haran. Then he stayed there another six years. His dad died and he moved on with Lot to the promised land. Eventually he got there. He was slow in obeying, but it was only when he obeyed that, God, that God's blessings were available to him. Let me show you another couple of stories. Elijah. You know, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah has been told by the Lord, there's going to be a period of drought, and I'm, I'm trying to get rid of Jezebel and Ahab. That's what God says to Elijah. Ahab the king worships a foreign god and his wife Jezebel. Her name has the word Baal in it because they worship the god Baal. And they were, they were not godly, the king and queen. And God said to Elijah, I'm going to use you to change the kingdom, but there's going to be a period of drought. It's not going to rain unless you say so. And then God says to him, go to the brook called Cherith, because there I will look after you while there's a drought in the land. And listen to what God says. I think we've got this up on the screen. 1 Kings 17 verse 4. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And that little phrase, in fact that little word there, jumped out at me. Where had God commanded the provision for Elijah. It was at the place that God had told him to be. My, my brother and sister, God wants to bless us. He really does. He wants to give you so many good things. The Bible is full of promises of God's blessing. He says, I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He wants to provide everything we need and give us joy and peace and life. But it's in a place called there. Imagine Elijah had said, I'm not going to go to the brook called Cherith. I want to go to this other brook that I know. That's just kind of halfway to Cherith. Kind of Haran. It's not quite the promised land. It's not where I was. It's halfway. And I don't really want to obey you exactly, Lord. I just want to obey you partially. And I want to sit there. And then he gets there and he's sitting and it's a beautiful brook and he thinks it's wonderful. But he says, why are the ravens not feeding me? Meanwhile, the ravens are bringing food morning and night to the place called there where God told them to be. Is it possible that you are living under the privileges that God has given you? That you are living less than what God wants for you because there's something God has told you to do and you haven't quite obeyed? The very next time after that, God tells Elijah to go to Zarephath, which was a place outside of Israel, to a woman who was not an Israelite. Verse 9, God says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. There's a place called there where God wants you to be, and when you find it, everything else falls into place. But am I there? You say, how do I know if I'm there? Is there something God has told you to do and you've said no? <laughs> That's it. It's not complicated. You say, oh, but the commandments of God are so confusing. And, you know, sometimes God tells me to do something and it doesn't sound logical to me. I mean, imagine Abraham. God says, leave your father, leave your family, leave everything that's familiar to you and go to this other place. Abraham could have said, that doesn't sound like God. 
That doesn't sound logical. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't mesh with what I thought was important and right and good in life. So therefore, I'm just going to cherry pick the bits of what God's told me to do that I like. And I'm not going to do all the bits that God has said. And as a result, he dwells in Haran, which is not the promised land for a long time. Isn't that interesting? Let me just make a comment here. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing a sermon and I was talking about grace versus law. And I said that we've got to live in grace, not law. Law says I earn and I deserve um, karma. If I do good, I'll get blessed. Grace says, no, it's a free gift. I am 100% believing in grace. I live in grace. However, I want to say to you that there is a place, even though I'm in grace, let me, let me put it like this. Abraham is completely forgiven and loved by God and accepted by God. Even if he lives in Haran for his whole life, God loves him and, and accepts him. And you can live there. But you won't enjoy the blessings if you don't move to where God wants you to be and if you don't do what God wants you to do. Is that law? No, it's not law. Why? Because God loves you completely anyway. He loves you. He blesses you. But there is a... A sowing and reaping built into the universe. There is a, a, a principle where God says, if you do this, this will happen. It's not God saying, I am rewarding you or punishing you. He's just saying, these are the ways that the, God, that the world has been set up. God says, if you will be where I want you to be, you will enjoy the ravens feeding you or the widow feeding you or whatever it is. If you'll do what I'm telling you to do, you will enjoy these. If you don't, you are still loved. You're still blessed. You're still under God's grace and His favor and His kindness. It's not a question of earning, but it is a question of the principles that God has set in place. He says, if you will just do these things, then results will come to you which are good results. And so I just wanted to make that clear before I went on. Okay, I'm going to close in a minute, but I just want to talk about a couple of other people who had the same kind of thing. The ten lepers, Luke 17. Ten lepers come to Jesus. They've got leprosy. When Jesus saw them, verse 14 of Luke 17, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. Is it possible that God's got healing for you or something for you? But he said to you, go and do something. And you, the two aren't linked in your mind. You say, why would that instruction from God be linked to this other thing? It doesn't make sense. The, the lepers might have thought, why, why would I need to go and show myself to a priest in order to be healed? But they went anyway. They obeyed. And it was as they went that they were healed. As we go towards the place that God wants us to be, then we get the result that God intended for us. But I, the story has another part, which is very interesting. It says, One of them, so one of the ten, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? And he said, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And that phrase, made you well, is sozo, which in other parts of the Bible is translated, your faith has saved you. And what this means is that all ten were healed, but only one was eternally healed. His 
spirit was born again. He was made a Christian. He's in heaven. Nine of the ten got their bodies healed, but they didn't get to heaven. Only one of them did because he went the next step. He not only obeyed in going to show himself to the priest, but then he came back and he was thankful. And I, I've, we've hopped on about this a lot recently, but I felt like the Lord really wants us to understand, to learn, to be thankful people. I just feel like the Lord might be saying to some of you, you've done a whole lot of the right things for the Lord. You've obeyed, you've served, you've given, you've done all these things. But if you're not in a thankful place where you're just saying thank you to God all the time, you may not be in that place of blessing, of the mountain and the tree where God's blessing is going to come on you. And I, I just really felt for myself, but for all of us, we need to encourage ourselves to be thankful every single day. We need to thank God for everything we've got. Amen? We really do. We really, really do. We need to say thank you, God, that I am blessed. That Just the fact that I'm alive, the fact that I can breathe today is a miracle. Amen? The fact that I've got legs to walk is a miracle. The fact that I've got eyes to see, the fact that I've got a brain to think, that I can experience the world, that I have family and friends and all the things that I have. Thank you, God. I'm not, I'm not a person who has a spirit of or a, an attitude of entitlement where the world's just got to come and give me what I, what I need. I'm thankful for every little thing that I have. When we get there, then we're in the place of receiving God's blessing. So just a little aside there. We need to be thankful. And then lastly, Luke chapter 19, there was a man called Zacchaeus. And he was a little man. He, the Bible says he was a short man, but he was a very rich man. He'd made a lot of money from tax collecting. And what he'd done is he'd taken money from his fellow Israelites to give taxes to the Romans. And the Israelites hated him because he would take a lot of money and he would keep some of it for himself. So he was the wealthiest man in the town. But he didn't know Jesus. And he lived in this town called Jericho. And Jesus was coming through. And the Bible says when Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming, he wanted to see him, but he was short. So he climbed up a tree. There's the whole tree thing again. And listen to verse 5 of Luke chapter 19. When Jesus came to the place, and I've underlined that in my Bible. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And he saw him, Zacchaeus, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. There's a place. There's a place of blessing. There's a place where God wants to pour out so many good things on us. There's a place of fellowship with God and closeness to God, of forgiveness of sin, of having a meal with Jesus in your house. But it requires us to do something. Zacchaeus had to use the muscles in his legs and his arms and he had to use his willpower and his effort. He's a rich wealthy man. What's he doing climbing a tree? Imagine. Doesn't make sense. You distinguished dignified man. What are you doing up in the tree? That's the place where he had to get to to meet with Jesus. And I just want us to just search our hearts right now. So if we can just focus on the Lord for a moment. And just look to God right now. Don't look at me or anyone else around you. Just look at God and just say, God, here I am. Thank you, God. Thank you that you know me. Thank you, Lord, that you made me. You created me in my mother's womb. And your word says, Lord, that you wrote all the days that you had planned for my life in a book before I was even made. Father God, here I am. 
I want to confess to you, Lord, that I have not followed the words of your plan written in your book all the days of my life. Lord, I've gone my own way. Lord, I've got my own ideas. Lord, I've been willful and I've done things my own way, even though I knew you wanted me to do something different. But Father, today, I've heard. I've heard about the tree and the mountain. I've heard about your plan and your blessing. I've heard about all the things that you have for me. And Lord God, I want to come back to that place. I want to be in the place where Zacchaeus was, the place of meeting Jesus. I want to be in the place called there where, you, where you've already commanded ravens to feed or blessing to come. I want to be in that place, Lord. I want to be in the place that you've prepared for me, even though you love me where I am. God, I want to be fully obedient and where you want me to be. Lord God, please will you show me right now. God, please would you prompt and stir my heart, stir up feelings and thoughts and emotions in me so that I know where it is that I've taken the wrong road or maybe just sat still instead of getting up and doing something for you. Please, God, would you show me where your commandments to me have been ignored or disobeyed by me. And friends, I'm going to ask you to just be quiet now for a couple of moments and the Lord might show you a couple of things. He may pinpoint something to you. I don't know what it is. I don't even want to guess what it is. But I believe you will know if the Lord has told you to go somewhere and you've settled for halfway or you haven't gone. The Lord will show you right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're so patient, Lord. You're so kind with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are gentle with us, that you wipe away and you forgive. You have mercy for us, Lord. Lord, I think of Abraham, how it took him 25 years to receive the promise of a, of a supernatural son called Isaac. And in the middle, he went his own way and he had a child with a servant girl, a child called Ishmael. And as a result, he, he bypassed your plan and he went his own way. And yet you still had mercy on him. You brought him back to your plan and you gave him the promised son, Isaac. Father, many of us are in that place today. Many of us have been disobedient. Many of us have not been obeying you. Perhaps we haven't given you control of all the areas of our lives. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's um, something. We haven't obeyed you, Lord God. But Father, we come back to you today. We say, Lord God, please forgive me. Please God, forgive me. And put me back on your plan. Even though I messed it up, even though I've gone far, far off track. Lord God, from today, I want to decide that I will obey you. You know better than me, Lord. Your commandments are right. Your words are true. You have superior wisdom. <laughs> you know all things, Lord. I don't know what's good for me, but you do, Lord. And I'm choosing today to bend the knee, but also bend my will to your will. And say, Lord, you are God, and I will not control my life. I will obey what you tell me to do from here on. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. So folks, we're going to be leaving this room quite soon. But I just really feel a, a passionate desire in my heart to plead with you please do not leave this place 
until you've settled in your mind, I will obey the Lord. I will obey the Lord. He is Lord. He's not just Savior. He's Lord. He's not just Savior. He's Lord. The word Savior, I think, occurs 36 times in the Bible. The word Lord occurs 7,000 times in the Bible. He is my Savior, but He's my Lord. He tells me, and I obey. I don't judge it. I don't say, mm, I'm going to pick those bits I want. Lord, whatever you say, I will do. Because you know best, God. You have the best plan for me. Lord, whether it's how I spend my time, how I relate to other people, how I do my job, everything in my life, God, my, my desires, my passions, my wants and needs, my plans for the future, God, I lay it all at your feet. I say, today, Lord, I want to be found in that place where you tell me to be. And I will follow whatever you tell me to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I, I really trust that God has done something in your heart today. You know, at a wedding, I've been to hundreds of weddings, and often you leave a wedding and you say, that was nice, that was fun. But the bride and groom leave and their life is changed forever. Why? Because they made promises at the wedding. The rest of us were just an audience. If you've made a promise to God today, if you've said, God, I promise something in my life, your life will be changed from today onwards. It'll never be the same again. But it's up to you. We're going to sing one last song. We're going to have some coffee and tea at the back. Please stay behind for as long as you want to. Enjoy and come back next week. Um, if, you, if you're a visitor, we'd love to have you. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.